Isn't it good? You know, last week, Jan and I were just in Birmingham assessing some couples on Tuesdays and Wednesdays, and uh, we had a great time. Just great people, great couples, just God's doing great things all over the world. Let me just stabilize your heart right now, folks, because when things happen like what happened in Paris, we have a tendency to get shook up and then transfer that fear over into our own personal lives. What if that was? What would happen here? And we need to be wise in what we do, but we cannot let fear grip us. And so the way that I overcome fear is I realize what powerful things God is doing. He's doing major, major things. Look, let me tell you something. When Pakistan opens up to the gospel in a powerful way, things are happening. When 12 million Muslims transfer to Christianity, something great is happening. When, when, when there are churches that, that are built in Africa that hold over 1 million people per service, something great is happening. So we can't get our eyes just on the terror. We must get our eyes on the Jesus. Come on now. And, and you understand that? And so don't try to protect your comfort zone. Praise your Jesus. Hallelujah. Come on, America. Let's do that. Let's believe the Lord. And it's just, it, it's kind of ironic that we would be in a series on No Fear November, but that's what we're talking about because fear comes in all kinds of different ways. And sometimes people are not fearful of terror. They're just, they're just strong. They're just bold. That doesn't bother them but there's other forms of fear that come in and that cause all kinds of problems and uh, we started last week uh, dealing with fear talked about fear of the future today we're going to deal with fear of rejection which by the way is real which probably hinders and hurts and and commands attention from people more than uh, any other form of of fear we, we said that the baseline of fear for most people is the fear of the future but then as we looked at it, you know, we, we, we just named a few things. People fear loneliness. They fear um, transition. They fear marriage some. Some fear launching. That's why a lot of young people are not launching from their parents' home now. They fear that they don't have the ability to get out and do what needs to be done. So there's all kinds of fear. And uh, we're going to talk about fear of rejection in a moment. But um, really and truly, folks, if we can get this, that we don't really fear the future, in actuality, what we fear is the past. We fear what has happened to us in the past. I, and, and we say, you know, I don't want to go through what I went through when I was a little kid. And, and worse than that is that we, we do what I call transfer fear. And that is that we, we see something in somebody else's life that has happened. And then we're fearful that that might happen in our life. And when that begins to happen, fear begins to multiply and all of a sudden, we're, we're just stagnated. We're actually in bondage, and we should be no longer a slave to fear because fear is a, is a taskmaster that you really don't want to live under all of your life. So, uh, you know, I want to do something a little bit different today, though, because most of the time we give you like three ways to overcome this or how to be better at that and things. But today I want to I teach you how to experience more fear of rejection in your life. Now that I've got your attention. <laughs> how, to, you know, how to make it bigger. How can we make fear bigger? Now know this, that fear and rejection work together. And insecurity and rejection work together. 
Don't ever forget that. If you don't get anything else today, get this, that insecurity and fear of rejection work together all the time. I want you to think back, just think back with me for a moment when you first experienced rejection. Now, some is serious. Some people have been rejected either directly or indirectly by their parents. But a lot of us, we get rejected when we're not picked for a ball team. Now, that's no big deal for me now, but when you're a little kid, it's a big deal. You know, I can remember uh, my little league career. I didn't cross the white line of first or third base for two and one half years. I sat on the bench. I rode the wood for, for two and a half years. Now, that was back whenever you had to be good to play. You actually had to be able to catch the ball or maybe hit the ball, and you definitely needed to be able to run. Nowadays, everybody gets to play. Everybody gets uh, a trophy, no matter how horrible you are. You know how many trophies they gave out when we were in, in Little League? One trophy went to one person for the whole year, the most valuable player. And when you were no good, you went home. You came to the ball field no good, and you went home no good. And let me tell you what it did for you. It made you strong, and it propelled you into the future to say, I gotta get better. So the second two years of my Little League career, I was first string catcher. Praise God. Still didn't get a trophy because I've never been the most valuable player on the field. But sometimes people feel rejected and that happens. And all of us in one way or another have had to work through rejection. The word rejection simply means to throw back. It means you're moving forward and all of a sudden you're thrown back. Maybe you've been rejected on the job or things like this. I read an article this week about Meryl Streep. She was, uh, you know, she's an actress. If you don't know her, I don't know where you've been living all these years. But anyhow... She, she uh, auditioned for King Kong to be the little blonde lady that King Kong carried up and down the building. And, and uh, the producers told her, said, you can't, you can't, we don't want you, you're too ugly. <laughs> wow, bam. Well, she went back and studied things out. She's still the same looking woman, but now she's got 19 Academy Awards. So somebody missed it, huh? And so she rebounded from rejection with 19 Academy Awards, I thought that was really, really cool, but we're, we're rejected in all kinds of different ways and we fear rejection and we don't wanna be rejected how we were when we were a little kid. We don't wanna be rejected by that girl ever again. Come on now. We don't wanna commit because we're afraid we're gonna get rejected. We'll share with you the last week of this series on the fear of commitment. But I wanna look and we're gonna increase our fear of rejection now. Are you ready for that? Are you ready to increase your fear of rejection? And really, I want to use as a base for our message today the story of Samuel, the prophet of God in Israel in the Old Testament, and Saul, who became king, the first king of Israel in the Old Testament. And, and it goes this way. Israel did not have a king. God never intended for Israel to have a king. He wanted to be their king. But they wanted a king like the pagan nations all around them. And they just would gripe and moan and groan and gripe and moan and groan until finally God said, okay, I'm gonna give you a king. And so he spoke to Samuel the prophet and he said, I want you to anoint a man to be the king of Israel. They've rejected me. See, God understands about rejection. They've rejected me as king, so I'm gonna give them second choice, which is their first choice. 
And so he spoke to Samuel, and Samuel is going through it. He's the man of God. He's the prophet. And so he's seeking God on, on who is going to be the king. When God tells you you have to anoint someone to be king, you start as a prophet. You start praying. You start seeking God about how, what, who, who, how do you do that? We've never had one. We've never been that way before. And so God begins to speak to him. And finally, through a chain of events, this young man, Saul, comes before Samuel. He was looking for his father's donkeys and uh and as I told you before, you, uh, you know, God, you know, is looking for a king and we're looking for donkeys. We, we sometimes not on the same wavelength as God, but they come together. And, and when Samuel sees Saul, the Bible says he's a head and shoulder above everybody in Israel, probably six foot six, beautiful black hair. I'm sure he was a, a, a master of a dude, you know what I'm saying? And, and, and so he sees him. And God says, this is the guy I want you to anoint to be king of Israel. And so they begin working together. And Saul is encountered by Samuel. And Samuel says, Saul, you're going to be king of Israel. Now, that's a major thing. That'd be like somebody coming up to you, like a prophet coming up to you and saying, John, you're going to be president of the United States. You might not do that bad, you know what I mean? <laughs> Considering, all things considered. But... Uh, but Saul countered with this. When, when, when Samuel told Saul, uh, you're going to be king, he, instead of saying, wow, that's amazing, and, and just, you know, humbling himself, he counters back, he says, how can that be? He said, how can I be king of Israel? I come from the smallest, the ruddiest little bitty uh, tribe of Israel. I mean, we like nobody, I'm nobody, my daddy's, we nobody. How can that be? And uh, you know, it's a, sort of like a misconception because it could be misconstrued as humility, but in actuality, it was actually insecurity that bred rejection. Saul lived in rejection nearly all of his adult life. Insecurity breeds rejection. Don't forget that. And so if you want to know how to, you know, make fear of rejection larger in your life, I'm going to give you four things. You ready? Number one, you want to grow rabbit ears. You want to grow rabbit ears. Now, I'm not talking about that little apparatus we used to put on top of our television. Some of you older people will understand. It's like a little round thing. I had these two little antennas sticking out and you would screw it in the back of your TV and usually somebody had to stand there and kind of hold it you know, and finally, I mean, we'd make Jordan do that. Hold it right there and I just stand there so we can watch the program. And uh, so, but, but that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about a baseball term that, that really helps us to understand this. You know, if, if a player or an umpire ever gets rabbit ears, it means they listen to the crowd. Uh, when an ump, and you'll see it all the way from T-ball all the way through the majors, there's always the crowd of people who can do better than the ump. You know, hollering things like, hey, Blue, where did you go to school? Oh, you didn't. Hey, Blue, did anybody show you what a strike is? Hey, Blue, you know, your, your mama is, is in trouble. You know, or whatever, just constantly speaking to him until finally he grows rabbit ears and he starts to listen to the crowd and then he can't make one decent call, especially in Little League ball, you know, high school ball, just fuss it, don't fuss at the ump. 
Go to school, put on an ump uniform, and see if you can call the strike coming at 96 miles an hour at you. I don't see how they do it. But anyway, grow rabbit is all that right fielder who's, you know, he made a couple of errors, and so his own fans are just taunting him. What's happening, bro? They need to sit you on. You know, this is, you're, you're this, you're that, and they start hearing, and then they can't perform. That's what growing rabbit ears is all about. So Samuel comes in. He wants to anoint Saul to be king. So in a private meeting, he anoints Saul to be king privately. Remember this. God will always do something privately in your life before he'll do something publicly. And so Saul, he has a life change. Look, when you're anointed to be king by a prophet of God who's not one of his words ever fell to the ground, something good happens in your life. And so Saul's life has changed. And we pick up the narrative in 1 Samuel chapter 10. Verse 10, and it says, when Saul and his servants arrived at Gibeah, they saw a group of prophets coming towards them. Then the Spirit of God came powerfully upon Saul, and he too began to prophesy. And when those who knew Saul heard about it, they exclaimed, what? What? Is even Saul a prophet? How did the son of Kish become a prophet? I mean, he wasn't a prophet. He was chasing donkeys one day. Next day, he's a prophet, and things happen that way many times with God. So the people began to talk about Saul. In other words, what's the big deal? Uh, he's a prophet? No, I don't think he's a prophet. Oh, you a prophet, Saul? What, you, you're a prophet? And so we, we, we keep going in verse 12. And one of those standing there said, can anyone become a prophet? No matter who his father is. Remember, Saul said, we from this dinky little family. And so that is the origin of the saying, is even Saul a prophet? Let me tell you something, haters are gonna hate. You know that? Haters are going to hate, and it is amazing what comes out of the woodwork when you get a promotion. You know, you're on the crew with the guys on the job, and next thing you know, you are now promoted to crew chief, and guess what you have? You get a raise in pay, you might get a little bit better hours, but you get a whole truckload of rejection. Who are you? Last week you were working with us in the bottom of the boat and now you're walking on the deck telling us what to do. But that's the way it goes. Haters are going to hate. They're always going to come at you. I remember the night that uh, I was, uh, well, how can I put it? Uh, the men of our church years ago in Gonzales, they, they, they didn't, we didn't vote. We were not a voting church. But it came time for me to come on Sabbath. So my pastor, he pulled one on me. He said, Van, I'll tell you what. I know that God has spoken to me for you to come on. I know he's spoken for you to come on. You're going to come on. But before you come on, I want to have a meeting with the men, and I want to see what they think about you. And he said, I'm going to ask you just to raise their hand. It's not really a vote, but it's just an affirmation here, confirmation. And, and, and if one of them descends, if one descending vote, you're not coming on. He said, we're going to make sure that God's in this thing. And he said, furthermore, you can't come to the meeting. So uh, I wasn't there. And uh, thank God they all said, okay, we want, we want Van to be one of the associate pastors. And so uh, it wasn't long after that. I think that was like on a Monday night. And I think it might have been Wednesday night. I'm in my car. And a man from the church, he comes in the car in the parking lot. And he says this. He says, you know, I'm not sure that you ought to be associate pastor of this church. Now, you know, that means nothing to me now because I'm an old soul here with a hard back and a soft heart, hopefully. But let me tell you something. Back then, it just shattered me. It shook me that somebody would not believe in me and believe what God had said. But you know what? Haters are going to hate. Because, you know, really what it all boiled down to is that man wanted what I had. 
And eventually he got what I had and failed. Haters are going to hate. We might as well just understand that, whether it's uh, getting a, you know, whether or not you get promoted to a head popcorn salesman or, <laughs> or you know, you, you, you build your own company and run it with great, great integrity. Haters are going to hate. So remember this. Move and groove with people who celebrate your life. Come on, hang with the they. You remember we always saying they, they. Hang with the they that's gonna be with you and don't worry about the they that are hating on you. Just let them roll, man, because they're all over the place and they like to come out at certain times, you know. So Saul began to grow these rabbit ears and he began to hear what everybody was saying. You see, when you are rejected, you gotta lean on the relationships that are going to help you. Folks, can you, can you understand that? Some of you are running with people that are running you right into the ground and God is just telling you, get away from people who are tearing your life all to pieces. Just get away from them, amen? Just get away from them, it'll help you out, you know? And the church is supposed to be a place where the real they are. Now, I know we make mistakes and some people say silly things and do silly things, but all in all, the body of Christ is supposed to be a safe place where people can get the right they speaking into their life. And so hang with the right they. And so Samuel now, he, he's anointed him to be king privately. Now he wants to anoint him to be king publicly, okay? And so the, the second thing that I wanna help you to see that's gonna increase your fear of rejection is that you wanna talk bad about yourself. I want you to just, you gotta talk bad about yourself if you wanna, you know, get more rejection in your life. And so, uh, say negative things about yourself, you know. Right before the, the public uh, coronation here, Saul is talking to his uncle, and his uncle says, I, I heard you went to see the prophet. That was a big deal back then. When you went to see the prophet or the prophet came to see you, it wasn't like, oh, well, the prophet's come. You know, let's eat a hamburger. It was like, the prophet has come, and they would ask him, have you come for good or have you come for evil? Are you gonna give us a good word or are you gonna give us a judgment word? And so it's a big deal, so they're talking about it. And Saul tells his uncle, well, you know, we, we had these donkeys were lost and he helped us find the donkeys. But he never shared with him about being anointed king in private. You see, it, it could be that Saul was afraid to say that God had chosen him to be king because he feared being rejected because he was just a regular man. That could be, that could be why he didn't tell that. So, so what kind of conversations are you having with yourself? Just think about it for a moment. You know, what conversations are you having about yourself? I'm not sure this message is going over too well. <laughs> I was hoping for more response. What would people think if they knew that I suffer from the fear of rejection. I hope the people like my shirt. My wife said she did, but I'm not sure. What about this haircut? I think it's too short. I sometimes get tired of hearing my own voice and I bet everyone else thinks the same thing. I'm not feeling too good about myself today. What kind of conversations are you having inside of 
your head about yourself. These conversations will just breed more and more rejection in your life. You know, I have had problems too. You know, I, I'm just a, a Cajun from Gonzales, Louisiana. And uh, I have a high school diploma. I have no Bible college. I have no university training. I don't have a diploma on my wall. And at times, that affects me, especially when I get around people who are highly educated and they talk about their alma mater and, and uh, I talk about my mama, you know. <laughs> and... Uh, I talk about being debt-free, and they talk about their student debt. <laughs> but at times, you know, it would happen. Coming back from Birmingham last uh, Wednesday, Wednesday, Thursday night, coming back, and uh, uh, I was talking to a pastor in Denver, Colorado, and he, was, he had called me and was really asking me if I would help them uh, do mission trips with pastors who have not been on the mission field and who've never preached in foreign countries and we're working it out and and uh, you know I still to this they think well you know what what I'm Van and I told him that I said Mike you know I said he, he said you know Van I, I don't know if you know this or not but but you got a great reputation and the way that you've taken a church and turned around now three locations and he said you you, you just got a lot of influence and, and people think highly of you and you know I never thought that I said well Mike I appreciate those words because I often just think of myself as Van from Gonzales. And he just built me up, you know, just, just, just an amazing word. He's like the real they. And it helps me to venture out because if I think too little of myself, I will never be able to help the people who I'm really, I really am able to help. I'm, ab I'm able to help people. And so, you know, I've got to, I, I can't speak bad things about myself and so many of you are like me you just think so little of yourself some of you really hate yourself and that just breeds rejection because what we think is what we say so what are you saying about yourself some people say I'm stupid and I wrote them down nobody likes me I don't really have a friend I'm not very confident I'm not really educated I think I'm going to fail I don't think I can handle that position why would anybody want to follow me I can't do that others are better qualified I've made mistakes many mistakes people have talked about me I'm not sure God is even for me if those are the kind of things that are going through your mind continually today We've prayed, Jan and I, that this thing ceases once and for all. That we no longer think of ourselves as just who we have been, but we need to think of ourselves as who we are. I am a child of God. Hallelujah. And if God has accepted me, man, who am I to reject myself? So next comes this inauguration. It's everybody's set. Everybody's there waiting and they announce Saul and they can't find Saul and they look for Saul and everybody, where's Saul? Where's Saul? We don't know where Saul's at. And so finally, 
They said, well, Saul, he's back there behind the baggage. He was hiding. This big dude, already been anointed privately, come on, already prophesying, he's hiding behind the baggage. And that's where most people hide. They hide behind their baggage of what they once were instead of looking at who they are now and especially what they will be in the future. We look at the baggage of our failures in the past and we don't want to get up and try again because we don't fear the future, we fear the past. So they find him, he's hiding behind the baggage and they anoint him to be king of Israel. Now, after the inauguration, Saul goes home. It's not like he goes to the White House or the, to the, the throne. He goes home, and in uh, the 10th chapter, the 26th verse, when, when Saul returned to his home at Gibeah, a group of men whose hearts God had touched went with him, which is good. That's the proper they. But they were some, they were some scoundrels, oh my, scoundrels, who complained, how can this man save us? And they scorned him and refused to bring him gifts and Saul ignored them. It could be positive that he ignored them, but it also could be very, very possible that he didn't want to engage them because he still feared rejection. And rejection, that fear of rejection stifles us from even confronting things that we need to confront. And so the fear of rejection stifles us. The third thing we wanna do if we're really gonna breed some good, strong rejection in our life, fear of rejection, is that we wanna toot our own horn. We wanna blow our own little horn, a little tune, you know. Toot our own horn. In the 13th chapter of 1 Samuel, soon after this, Jonathan, that's Saul's son, attacked and defeated the garrison of the Philistines. The news spread quickly among the Philistines so Saul blew the ram's horn throughout the land. All Israel heard the news that Saul had destroyed the Philistine garrison at Geba. Saul had done it, but in actuality, Saul did not do it. Jonathan is the one that did it. So if you want to keep this fear of rejection, if you just want to get it, just keep tooting your own horn, toot your own horn. Saul was so insecure, feared rejection so much that he couldn't even give credit to his own son that he had raised up instead of saying, I am so pleased with my son, I am so excited that he's taking a leadership role, Saul had to toot his own horn. Insecurity always takes credit for everything because we have to have the one up on people. We have to be in the front. It's like, look at me how great I am. Anytime you have to toot your own horn to make it up one more rung on the ladder, you are insecure. The Bible says, let your gift make a place for you. And the Bible also says in Proverbs, basically, this is the interpretation, don't toot your own horn, let somebody else toot it. Let somebody else say something great about you. People who have to have a one-up always are insecure people who fear rejection. Number four, you want to go by your own feelings. Go with your feelings. If you want to really get into this fear of rejection, go with your own feelings. Man, let, let's get our feelings really tied up in this thing. Let's get our emotions. Come on, let's stir up. Let's stir up our emotions. 
assumptions. I just feel like someone doesn't like me. I just feel like you're rejecting me. See, I live with that most of my life. Man, look, to such a degree that I created a system before I knew there were systems. I created an internal system to protect me against being rejected, but what it actually did, it, it actually d- began to destroy me. And, and this was the system. It was very simple, but very, very effective. I got the one up on you. I'd hate you before you hated me. I'd just look at you. And if you didn't look at me the way that I felt like you should look at me, I marked you and I didn't like you. I wouldn't get around you. I wouldn't talk to you. I, wouldn't, I would not get around. I didn't like you and I didn't like people you hung around with because I knew if you rejected me, all your friends rejected me also. So you'd sit at the lunchroom table in school and you just hear these voices telling you how much people don't like. Young people, I understand that. You get a few pimples on your face or just one. You hear me? You know, just one. Your mom and daddy don't drive a big car like somebody else and they drive you up to school. My daddy used to drive me up to school in a green 63 pickup truck with furniture fair on the door with all the advertisement of our furniture store. That'll help your ego a whole bunch. <laughs> Other guys are driving to school in their car and he drives me every morning, five mornings at 8.20, 10 minutes before school starts. So everybody's standing out front. 1 Samuel chapter 13, verse 11. There is a battle getting ready to take place. Saul is going to fight the Philistines, and he looks at things that are going on. They're not going the right way. People are deserting. The enemy is in array. He hasn't uh, talked to the Lord yet. He's waiting on Samuel, the prophet, to come and offer sacrifices. And uh, you can imagine the chaos that's going on. And so he goes to his feelings and, and, and he offers the sacrifice, which is unlawful for him to do. And then Samuel shows up right after that and asks him, what have you done? And this is what Saul said. He said, when I saw that the men were scattering and that you did not come at the set time and that the Philistines were assembling at Mishmash, I thought, now the Philistines will come down against me at Gilgal and I have not sought the Lord's favor, so I felt compelled to offer burnt offerings. Again, here he is, he is afraid to be rejected, he's afraid to lose, he's afraid to make a mistake and he's also afraid to wait on God. He's just afraid, he's caught in his feelings, and so he makes a pitiful decision to do something that's unlawful. Isn't that right, isn't that what people do? We fear things so many times that we make very, very bad decisions. People will fear uh, about financial security and make some of the worst financial choices they've ever made. Some people fear being left alone and they'll make the the worst relational choices that they ever could make. See, when you're motivated by fear of any kind, and if it's not cast out by perfect love and confidence in who God is and who you are in God, you have to feel. He said, I saw, I thought, I felt. I saw, I thought, I felt. Think about that with me. I saw, I thought, I felt. But the Bible says the just shall live by faith, not by sight. It's not by what we feel, it's by what God says. What Saul was saying, from my perspective, I made the right choice. 
And then we just fast forward, and now Saul is fighting Goliath. Because if you don't deal with your fears when they're small, things just keep coming until now you face a giant. If he had dealt with this thing, he would have faced off Goliath with confidence in who God was and who he was in God. But now all his confidence is gone. He's in the fear of rejection. He's, he's curling back, and he's got a giant screaming at him every day. And finally, you know the story. David had to come and rescue the day. Look, if you don't deal with fear when they're small, they grow. If you can't, listen, as we trust God in the small things, we're able to trust him in the large things. When we trust him in the small things, when the big things come, we're able to face them. We cannot fear ISIS. You you cannot live every day thinking that someone is going to blow up the grocery store that you're in. You'll quit living. And anyway, these organizations, ISIS, street gangs that are filtering through our whole nation, through the whole world, they're built upon a false premise. They advertise for all the ones who are rejects of society. People have rejected you. We'll take you in You can be a brother with us. Come on, get a tattoo, blood, whatever it might be. Let's do this. We're in this thing together. But they don't realize, these young people that are moving into these organizations, that they're just as corrupt as everything else. Because the moment you don't line up with what they expect for you to do, they are going to reject you. But their rejection is a lot more hostile than any father's rejection because they didn't buy you a toy or play ball with you. Their rejection usually is, you're done. They'll just murder you. These are hostile groups that have no love and no real acceptance except to build a force that will take care of their selfish ambitions. And so we've got to realize that we've got to deal with small fears. If you can't run with the foot soldiers, the Bible says, how will you run when the horsemen come? Take care of the small things so that when the big things come, we're able to take them. So Saul never defeated, never defeated Goliath. David did. And when they come home down the street, they're coming down O'Neill Road. Some ladies come out to the church. They've got this little anointed song. They say, Saul has killed 1,000, David 10,000. And that's when Saul went off the deep end and he never, ever, ever returned because fear of rejection and insecurity will destroy a person's life. You will never be what God wanted you to be if you live in fear of rejection and insecurity. And it's not just good enough to hear a sermon. You've got to face this thing and you've got to defeat this thing. So let's reverse it. Let me give you some hope. Now that we've got this fear, hey, we got it. We're, we're rejected. I feel pretty rejected now. So how do you reverse it? It's quick. You know what? David took one small rock twirled the thing four times over his head and let the rock go and it killed the giant. Bam, that was it. It didn't take a lifelong of, oh my, I gotta study what kind of rock and is my sling of the right thing? No, just put the rock in there. Let's sling this thing. Number one, start listening to the right they. Instead of growing rabbit ears, listen to the right they. Get with people. Get in a small group. Get in relationship with people. We need to know people of God in relationship, and the only way you get to know people in relationship is in a small group. You never get to grow relationships in a large group like what's here right now. 
you, you get in, and you get the right they with you, man. I'm hanging with the right they. The guys at Ark, I was with Pastor Dino, who just did the video uh, Wednesday. I'm with these guys. They're with me, man. They're for me. So when I get around them, I feel good. Come on now, we're a team. We're together. They'll hug you. They'll say, you're great. You're wonderful. We love you. We're in this thing together. There's acceptance, not rejection. Get away from people who reject you and get with people who accept you. Number two, start speaking the word of God over your life rather than speaking negative things in your life. In other words, I am more than a conqueror through Christ who has saved me. Uh, nothing can separate me from the love of God. I am a child of God. I am the head, not the tail. I will succeed and not fail. If I fail, I will get up again because the righteous gets up seven times. God is for me. He's not against me. If God is for me, who can be against me? And we speak the word of God over your life. Speak the word of God over your life. Not, oh, I'm nobody, I'm no good. My daddy was a drunk and my mama, she's silly. <laughs> you understand? We come from trash. I didn't have a good family life, blah, blah, blah. It's time to get healed of our past so that we can live in our future without fear. It has to, and perfect love does that for you. Number three, compliment other people. Start complimenting other people. Say, man, you, 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 that is fantastic what you've just done there. You know what? A, pri a prideful person never compliments anybody else. Never. Because they're always thinking about themselves. And when somebody they know does something great, their insecurity rises up and robs them from being the blessing that God wants them to be. Man, you get a promotion, I say, yes, absolutely. Come on now. I'm with you, man, instead of, well, I should have got that. And number four, you want to go with commitment rather than your feelings. Folks, it is time to commit completely to what we are doing. I was talking to Jan on the road back. We, we, we drove seven and a half hours. We talked a lot. And I said, baby, you know, what are we doing can I just be honest, open up the pastor's heart for just a moment. Are the people really getting that this is eternal, what we're talking about? That this is a matter of heaven and hell, of life with God forever, or life away from the presence of God for all of eternity? Are we getting this thing? It's a good question, isn't it? Am I getting this? I know one thing. My Jesus understands rejection. He came to those that were his own and his own did not receive him. They rejected him. The people who ushered him into Jerusalem one day with palm branches and garments on the ground so the donkey could walk on them and saying, Hosanna in the highest. Some of the same people just a few days later were we're screaming, crucify him. He understands rejection. He understands his close friend. In Psalm 49, he says, it was a friend of mine, the, the person I ate with who rejected me. Even John, who laid his head on the chest of Jesus at the Last Supper, when it all came down to it, Jesus looked around and he was left totally alone, totally rejected, and those that he created, the hands that he created 
or the hands who took the hammer and the nails and drove them deep in his hands and his feet. He is acquainted with rejection. In essence, he was told by the human race, you're too ugly to be our savior. Isaiah said that we looked upon him, he was nothing to look upon. You're too ugly to be our savior. But instead, you know what he did? He was resurrected from the dead and he ascended to heaven. And he's got more than 19 Academy Awards. I guarantee you that. Come on now. Come on, Lord, we love you. We thank you, Lord. You're wonderful. We love you, Jesus. Come on, bow your heads with me for just a moment, if you would. Because I want to pray over this fear of rejection that's on so many people because of your past, your presence, because of who you are, because of your intellect, because of your, your monetary value, how much money you have and what position you have in, a, in the workforce or, or in the home. And let's just, I tell you, Father, in the name of Jesus, we bind up that spirit of rejection. It's a thing that comes on us, Lord. We bind it up in the name of Jesus, and Father, we from this day forward will speak the word of God over our life and say what you think about us and not lean on our own understandings, but God, acknowledge you in everything that we do, and I thank you that you're gonna direct every path in this room. Father, we thank you right now that rejection is broken in the name of Jesus because perfect love cast out fear. Thank you for it, Lord God. Come on, church folks, come on, respond to this with your heart right now. Come on, speak it over your life. Come on, right now, just speak it. Just, I will not be rejected. I will not fear rejection. I will walk forward in this life and the life to come with all confidence in who God says I am because I am a child of God. Thank you for that, Father, in the name of Jesus. Now there's some of you, you're sitting in the chairs right now, you've got your head bowed and you're thinking about all sorts of things. But I want you to think for a moment right now about a relationship with Jesus. He was rejected so that you can be accepted. He was left alone so that you never have to be alone. I want you to think about your relationship with God right now. Is it real? Are you really one with the Lord? Have your sins been forgiven and your life cleansed? And do you carry the mighty Holy Spirit living on the inside of you? If you can't say that with all confidence, I mean, with all confidence, to be fully assured of it, it could be that you've never truly received him and you've never truly lived for him. And I understand that because I was that way for 27 years. But now comes your chance to make your choice of whether or not to accept the Lord or to reject Him. Right now, right where you are, I wanna pray for you. If you're saying, God, I wanna serve you and I've not been serving you, but I want to serve you, I need to be forgiven, I want you to just shoot your hand up while every head is bowed and every eyes closed and just say, Pastor, pray with me. Would you do that? Come on, just shoot, just lift it up. That's right, thank you there, there, thank you, thank you. Here, here in the back, to my right, to my right, thank you, thank you. Come on, you wanna do that. You wanna do that. You wanna commit. You wanna give yourself to commitment, not to your feelings. 
What you're feeling right now, you who are raising your hand and you who are struggling so deeply in your seat, it's not really a feeling. It's what the Bible calls conviction from the, from the Spirit of God. It's God speaking to you, saying, come on over to my side. And that's what we're getting ready to do. We're getting ready to switch sides right now. Anybody else, if you haven't raised your hand, would you just shoot it up? Come on, don't pass up this chance to get your heart right with God. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Right now, you who say, I'm ready to commit, just repeat this prayer after me. You can say it out loud. You can say it in your heart. God's reading your heart, but the Bible says that if you believe in Jesus and that if you confess him with your mouth, you will be saved. So let's say this together. Say these words, Father in heaven, I ask you to forgive me for rejecting you. I ask you to come live inside of me Bring your presence into my heart. Cleanse me, Father. Make me your child today. I surrender myself to you. And I thank you right now for accepting me even as I rejected you. I honor you today with my mouth. I believe in you with my heart. And today I am saved in Jesus' name. Amen and amen and amen. Come on, let's give it up for the Lord. If you just made that decision, let me be the first to say congratulations. The decision to follow Christ is just the beginning of your relationship with God. So we'd love to help you with your next steps. If you'll go to northwood.tv connect and fill out the online information card, our lead pastor, Van DeCote, wants to send you a letter that tells you some more steps to take that'll help you maintain your new relationship with God. We're one church in multiple locations. We have a campus in Gulfport, Wiggins, and in Long Beach, Mississippi. If you live in one of these areas, we'd love to see you at one of our services. You can visit our website, northwood.tv, for service times and locations. If you'd like to give to this ministry, you can do that online as well. Just go to northwood.tv give or simply text the amount you'd like to give to 228-215-3421. Again, that's 228-215-3421. Standard data rates and text charges may apply. Thanks again for joining us today. We'll see you next time.